Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Yeah, in sport, doesn't matter what sport you're into, just uh, put your hands up if you're into some sort of sport, you love watching, playing, but you know, it doesn't matter what sport. Every team wants to play at their home ground. You know, if you play footy, every footy team wants to play at their home ground. And I kind of wonder why, why is that such a big deal? Why is, so, why is it so important to play footy at your home ground? I mean, the field is the same size whether you're home or away. They, they mark the lines in the same place whether you're home or away. The goalposts are the same size and the same shape, whether you're home or away. You know, grass is the same colour, whether you're you're home or away. You know, the ref calls the game according to the same rules, whether you're home or away. The ball is the same shape, you know, whether you're home or away. Now, the, the, the only difference is that when you play at home, You've got all your home supporters there cheering you on. When you play away, there's more of the other team supporters cheering them on and discouraging you. Just, just so we really get it, because I, I, I know we do get it, I just want you to use your imagination for me a little bit this morning. I just want you to imagine, this is a maroon wig, it's the closest I could get, I'm colourblind, I know it's not really maroon, but just pretend, you know, I'm a Queenslander and uh, I'm playing in the state of origin and uh, I just want you to imagine, I know this is hard for some of you to imagine, but I just want you to imagine that you're a mad parochial Queensland home crowd. Can you imagine that in your wildest imagination? I mean, you're a mad, banana-bending Queenslander, just crazy people, just cheering on your team. I'm playing for Queensland at home, home ground, and I, uh, I get the ball, and I am using all of my skill and speed and dexterity and size and strength, and I am racing down the sideline, and I put the ball over the line for Queensland. What happens in the crowd? Come on, I want you to really pretend you're not in church anymore, you're at Suncorp, and, and I'm, a re- I'm Fatty Vorton of the old days, and, and I am running down the sideline, and I miraculously put the ball over the line for Queensland. Okay, let me just so we understand this well. Now I want you to imagine... I, I just, just come on, just stay with me. I, I'm playing for New South Wales. I'm glad they don't let 4X cans in church. That's all I can say. I want you to imagine you're still a parochial, you know, Queensland, you know, uh, home ground team. I'm playing for New South Wales. I'm running down the sideline and just at the last minute before I get to the try line, I stumble, fall and knock on. What do you do? 
Okay, just, just one more scenario. Again, you're going to have to use your imagination. It's game three. State of origin. The series is on the line. And it's deadlock, 20 all. Use, use your imagination. There's a minute to go. Series on the line. New South Wales, get the ball. And again, skill, speed, dexterity. I mean, he got it all down the sideline. And he actually doesn't drop it this time, as he has about 10 years in a row. And he puts the ball over the line and scores for New South Wales. But you're a parochial Queensland crowd. What do you do? Just in case you missed it on Wednesday night, just have a look at what really happened. play at home, people. We got thousands standing in the stands, cheering us on, you know, believing that what we've just done is super important. We've just put a piece of inflated pigskin over a white line, and the whole state should celebrate. We've just bashed another 13, 17 blokes into oblivion more than they've bashed us. We should encourage and cheer extravagantly. You know, we love to play you know, sport at our home ground because it's where all our supporters are cheering us on. You know, and I played footy in Sydney a long, long time ago now. I played at this ground where uh, at home... On one side of the field, there was, you know, there was some development. There was seats and stand and a canteen where you could get food and drinks and you could, you could watch the footy without getting the sun in your eyes and you have come somewhere comfortable uh, to sit. And that's where our supporters, our home supporters sat. If you were an away supporter, you sat on the other side of the field. It was just bare grass. There was nothing. No seats, no mound. In fact, it was old swamp and it was stinky and you had to walk 250 metres to get a hamburger and a drink and go to the toilet. But if you were the opposing team supporters, you did not dare walk onto that hill. You did not dare take a seat because that was our hill. And if you were the opposing team, if you were smart... And there's not a lot of rugby players that are smart. But occasionally, a smart team would turn up and they'd work out, you're better off throwing all of your game plans out the window and just playing on half the field. Just play on the side of the field where your supporters were because if you were an opposing winger who dared to run near our hill, it was brutal. I mean, they questioned the legitimacy of your birth. They, they questioned your gender, the size of most of your body parts. You know, and if you made a mistake, 
Oh man, they were brutal. Just gave it to you for the rest of the game. They would not forget. And what would happen invariably is that the opposing players at our home ground would get distracted and they'd get drained of their energy, drained of the energy they needed to persevere and to score the goal and to win the game. You know, we we get pretty extravagant about encouragement in a football ground. We get pretty extravagant about cheering our team on when we put a ball over a line. You know, I find in sport, you know, we're extravagant in cheering on those who are doing well and we're eager to discourage the opposition that we're coming against. But sometimes, you know, I find in the church, we're actually reluctant to cheer on and encourage those who are doing well and we're eager to discourage those on our own team that make a mistake. And yet it doesn't matter where we come from in this room. It doesn't matter what state we originate from. It doesn't matter what background we've come from. It doesn't matter what mistakes we've made in the past. We're all on the same team. Did you get that, people? Where actually Paul, in the Bible, goes to incredible lengths to remind us that we are all on the same team. We're one body. We're one family. We're one in Christ. There's no Jew. There's no Gentile. There's no Scythian. You know, there's no circumcised, no uncircumcised. There's no slave. There's no free. We are all one. We're on the same team. And one can't do without the other. And the other thing that we see really clearly in the New Testament is the encouragement to encourage those on your team. To actually not be reluctant to encourage those in the church, but to be extravagant, to do it daily. Not not eager to discourage those who make a mistake, but actually eager to encourage those who have made mistakes and who are disheartened and who things aren't going well with. Because we're all on the same team. There's this very strong call in the New Testament to encourage one another every day, extravagantly and eagerly. Say it with me. Encourage one another every day, extravagantly and eagerly. Now, when the Bible talks about encouraging one another as believers... You know, it's not talking about when we come in here, we're looking around and we're going, well, that's a nice shirt you've got on today, or that's a nice hairdo, or, uh, you know, nice car you drove in in, or, you know, I was sitting next to you and hearing you sing, oh, gee, you've got a nice voice. You know, no one said that to me in church in 46 years of going to church, and it would be nice, but... Uh, and it is nice to do those things. Do it. You know, do that as much as you want. Tell people nice things like that. But when, when the Bible says encourage one another, it's actually not talking as much about things that we do. It's actually talking about what Jesus has done in us. Because you see, it's not talking as much about self 
and encouraging self as it is encouraging what Jesus is doing in us. Because you see, it's far more, what Jesus has done for us is far more encouraging than anything we can do for ourselves. What, what Jesus is doing in us is far more encouraging than anything you're actually doing in your own strength. And what Jesus will do one day for us, for all eternity, is far more encouraging than anything that you will ever achieve or ever build here on earth. Far more encouraging. And so Paul and the other New Testament writers, time and time again, say, encourage one another. It's really important at the footy to have your home team cheering you on. I keep getting bits of blue wig caught in my hair. To have your home team cheering you on because it helps you to dig deeper, reach further, persevere longer to reach the goal. If it's important in footy, it's infinitely more important in the church because we're encouraging one another to reach the goal, to stand firm in our faith until Jesus comes again, to have an eternal impact here on earth in this time that he has given us. It's infinitely more important that we encourage one another in what we're doing together as a church because encouragement, it actually gives us the fuel to persevere, to fulfill God's purposes and dis discouragement actually drains us of power and distracts us from what's most important. So Paul says, encourage one another every day, extravagantly, eagerly. This open Hebrews chapter 10 says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body... It was hung on a cross, blood was shed so that we can come into the presence of God. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and a full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled, cleansing us from a guilty conscience, standing before God, innocent, because of what Jesus has done for us, having our bodies washed with pure water, sins washed away. Therefore, because of all that, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, the writer of Hebrews, a bunch of things we don't know about the letter of the Hebrews, but there's some things we do know we know that uh, there's a bunch of people that are considering turning away from Jesus, giving up on their faith, because they've lost something. They've lost jobs. They've lost families. They've lost homes. Some of them have lost their freedom. They're in prison. Some of them have even lost their lives for following Jesus. And so they're thinking of turning away from Jesus and going back to an old way of life whether it's an old way of, of sin or whether it's an old way of following the law and following religion, you know, of going through the motions of, of, of religion. Some of them are even turning to, they understand there's a spiritual world out there, they need a spiritual connection, but they've decided maybe Jesus isn't that important. We'll start to worship angels and we'll kind of lift angels up because that might make life easier because Jesus is kind of making life hard for us. 
And the writer of the Hebrews is going, why would you give up on Jesus? It's this incredible letter of lifting up who Jesus is, the majesty and the supremacy of Jesus. He says, you know, because Jesus died on a cross, because he shed his blood, we can actually come into the very presence of God that could never happen in the past. You could never freely walk in to the presence of God. There was sacrifice after sacrifice, and that meant and blood sack, blood was spilled of all these animals over many, many years, and that meant one priest could go in at one time of the year into the very presence of God. But because of Jesus' death on the cross, he's the ultimate sacrifice once and for all. That curtain, the one separated us from God, torn in two, everyone can walk in. Why would you give up on that? And he says, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we're washed clean. Come before God innocent. Not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done. Guilty conscience gone. Because we are in Christ. He's saying, look, I know you've lost some stuff. But I want you to encourage one another every day with what Jesus has done historically that can never, ever be taken from you. What Jesus has done on that cross is a once and for all sacrifice. It can never be taken from you. So in Romans 8, it says, you know, what can separate us from the love of God? You know, can, can uh, nakedness or danger or famine or persecution, you know, or sword, you know, even if we die by the sword, can that separate us from the love of God? And Paul says, no, we're more than conquerors. You know, we've actually, there's absolutely nothing in all of creation. There's no height, no depth, there's no angel, there's no demon. There's, there's nothing in all of creation that can ever separate you from the love of God through Jesus Christ. Amen. It's good news. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Don't give up on that. Even if you've lost a whole bunch of other things, encourage one another. Whatever you're going through, whatever hardship you're going through, encourage one another in the faith. Encourage one another with what Jesus has done for us historically that can never be taken from us. Be regular every day. Encourages. He says, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. This picture of on the sidelines, cheerleaders just cheering us on. I, I tell you, who here in the room would say, I need more critics in my life. I really just need more critics. I need more people telling me what's not good about me. Put your hand up if that's you. Come on, who here would say, sometimes it would be nice to have some more cheerleaders. Some more, come on, put your hand up if you'd like some cheerleaders. We all need more cheerleaders than critics. We need some people that are going to cheer us on. This is a picture. Let us spur one another on toward love and good deeds and let us not give up on meeting together. Some people think, I'll just be a private Christian. I'll just stay at home. I'll hide my faith because it's actually causing some pain. People knowing that I'm following Jesus. I'll just hide my faith. I'll give up meeting together. He says, do not give up meeting together, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, you're, you are not just here for you this morning. You are here to receive something from God, and that's great. 
do that. But you're not just here for you, you're also here for the person next to you. We, together, are here for we. It's why we meet together. There's a reason that, that we meet together rather than just stay home on our own. You know, God knows there's a strengthening, a strengthening in our faith as we simply affirm what we know Jesus has done for us historically forever. There's a, there's a strength that comes as we stand shoulder by shoulder and sing these songs. There's a strength that comes as we stand together and we read this word and we declare together this is the truth. There's a strength that comes as together we pray for a family and say, hey, we're with you, Daniel and Sarah. We're in this together. There's a strength that comes. You see, you're not just here for you this morning. We are here for we. We encourage one another regularly. We encourage one another every day by declaring what Jesus has done for us historically. The end of Rome, or the beginning of Romans, actually, Paul uh, says in, in chapter 1, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. He's saying, just by turning up and worshipping together and praying for one another, we're going to be mutually encouraged and mutually strengthened. He says, I long for it. So don't give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but make it a habit to be an everyday encourager. And make it a habit to be an extravagant encourager. You see, we can encourage one another regularly about what Jesus has done historically, but we can also encourage one another extravagantly about what Jesus is doing personally in each person. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, Encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish, who admonish you, hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Let me pause there just for a minute. Keep the scripture up. We, we're to see people that are actually working hard and, and doing well and, and serving the Lord and we're seeing Jesus at work in them. Encourage them. Spur them on. They might be getting tired from doing good. Encourage them. Build them up. They need encouragement. Then it goes on to say, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened. So you to encourage and cheer on those who are doing well, who are working hard. But I also want you to encourage those who may have been idle, a bit weak right now, wobbly, and are disheartened. I want you to encourage them too. You see, everyone needs encouragement. Because everyone here in this room is struggling with something. Put your hand up if you're not struggling with anything at all in life, at home, in the workplace, in your family. Just put your hand up right now. Okay, maybe you don't need to be here. Everybody else does. We've all got something that we're wrestling with, something that we need one another for. 
Well, we need to encourage each other, whether we're disheartened and life is tough or, or whether, you know, we're, we're actually working hard towards the purposes of God. We all need encouragement. Meet together regularly because we all need regular encouragement about what's really important. You see, I need regular encouragement about what's important at home. You know, I, I need regular encouragement to put the bin out, leave the seat down, pick the towel up, and pack the dishes in the dishwasher. It turns out there is only one way to pack dishes in the dishwasher. Who, who knew that? I, I've looked for it in the Bible. I, I can't find it. I, I've looked for it in the dishwasher manual. I can't find it. But Susan assures me there is only one way to pack a dishwasher. And I haven't got it right for the last 25 years. And I was kind of hoping that that might mean I would be relieved of those duties. It kind of worked for washing clothes and ironing clothes. I've been relieved of those duties for some time because I couldn't get it right. But apparently I'm still, expect, still important that I pack the dishwasher and I pack it right. And so I get regular, everyday, extravagant encouragement. <laughs> some would call it nagging. I like to call it regular encouragement. Thank you, Susan, for that gift. <laughs> but you know, all of us, all of us have got some challenges in our home that's more significant than packing a dishwasher. We've got some challenges in our workplace. We've got some challenges in, in our ministry and what God's calling us to do to reach out to others in need. We, we've all got some challenges and we all need encouragement to be reminded of what's really important, what Jesus is doing in us and through us to bless the world. You see, what happens is we, of, we often get discouraged by our circumstances that seem to oppose the promises and the purposes of God. Some of you here this morning you say, that's me. I'm discouraged by my circumstances that right now seem to oppose the purposes and the promises of God. Everyone needs encouragement to fulfill the purposes of God, whatever it is, no matter how impossible it seems. We see it right through the scriptures. Heroes of the faith needed some encouragement, needed to, to overcome some discouragement particularly as they got launched into new ministry, as they began to step out in faith into new things God was calling them to do. I mean, you look at Joshua and God says to him, you know, don't be discouraged, Joshua. I know right now you're stuck in the desert with a bunch of people that are whinging and you've got a river in front of you that you can't cross and cities that are too hard for you to, just, to overcome. But don't be discouraged. I want you to be strong. I want you to be courageous because wherever you place your foot, I'm going to give you that land. I'm going to deliver you into the promised land. And so it gave Joshua the courage 
to actually step into a mighty river, believing for the impossible. Gave him the courage to get everybody to, to, to walk around a mighty city that was impossible to overcome, believing that God was faithful to his promises, even then it looked like the circumstances were opposing his promises. Look at Jeremiah. You know, God says to him, incredibly encouraging, you know, before you were born, I knew you. I set you apart. I formed you in your mother's womb. And I have made you to be a prophet to the nations. And it gave him the courage to speak a very unwanted and unpopular message to a nation who were turning a long way from God, calling them to repentance and come back. It gave him courage. Look at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's about to get launched into his public ministry. You'd think he wouldn't need any encouragement. But as he goes down into the River Jordan, the heavens open. And the father says, this is my son. With him I am well pleased. And he knew the daily encouragement from his father to go all the way to the cross and fulfill his purposes, believing that as he went to his death, that God was going to do the impossible and bring eternal life. Paul, who wrote half the New Testament, has no idea what's going on. And God sends Ananias to give him a word of encouragement. Ananias is absolutely you know, scared to his back teeth and he turns up and he says to Paul, God said, you're going to be a light to the Gentiles. Cities are going to be transformed because of your ministry. And he's going to show you how much you're going to suffer for my name. And not everyone believed the word of encouragement. Paul needed Barnabas to turn up. And Barnabas to say to all the other believers, I've seen what Jesus is doing in this man. You can trust him. You see, the heroes of the faith needed a cheer squad getting around them and encouraging them. Speak in faith into them. Everyone needs encouragement and God is an extravagant encourager. You cannot out-encourage God. He's the most extravagant encourager there is. But if you're sitting here this morning and you're holding on to envy, jealousy, bitterness, resentment in your heart, you will not be an extravagant encourager. You see, people that are extravagant encouragers, they actually get the Father heart of God. They know the extravagant, lavished love of God that he pours on his children. They, they actually get the favour of God, that God is a God who loves to bless his children more than any dad on earth. He loves to bless his children and give good gifts to his children. And they get faith. They get that God loves faith. He loves to move mountains just with a mustard seed of faith. You want to be an extravagant encourager? You've got to get something of the Father's extravagant love, extravagant favour and extravagant faith. I tell you, if you're feeling like I'm not really good at encouraging others extravagantly, just go and read Ephesians 1 for the next month. Just let those words sink into your heart and into your mind. Because all of those words in Ephesians 1 about who we are in Christ, it's true for every person sitting around you who's a believer in Jesus. They're true. Just start by encouraging people with that. Incredible promises.
be an everyday encourager, be an extravagant encourager. Get hold of the Father's heart. I just want to, I just want to encourage a few people this morning. I embarrass them; they'll be all right. All right. This is simple. This can this can be really simple. You know, this morning I just I come into both services. I just decided, as we were worshiping, just to pray for some people around me, and just begin to declare the favor of God, the Father's heart of God over people and just see, what has God put in my heart? What was in my heart that I can encourage these people with? Just want to encourage two people sitting in the second row. This is the reason never to sit down the front of church. <laughs> or if you want a word of encouragement, it's a reason to sit down the front of church. Let me, let me just encourage Andy for a minute. Let's stand up for a second, Andy, if that's all right. I mean, it's a little bit personal, I know. We don't normally hold hands, but uh, for some reason I feel like I need to. Um, Andy, I've said some of this to you before, but I just, I just believe God wants to encourage you that he has put wisdom in you and he has put an authority in you. You know, uh, there's some things in, in life that, uh, that God does in us that build over time or get rebuilt over time. And he's done a whole lot of building and rebuilding in you. And I've loved seeing God doing that. But authority is something that's just given. It's just imparted. And I just want to encourage you that God has imparted authority into you. And there was an authority that was there that before you came onto our eldership team, but there's, there's an authority that there's a reason he's brought you onto that eldership team. There's authority in the spiritual realms. He's put it on you. It's not something that's got to rebuild. It's not something that's got to grow. There's gifts alongside that that will grow, gifts of wisdom that will keep growing, that I've seen, you know, it's going to fan into flame. But there's an authority that he's put in you that you can actually speak, you know, God's words to people and you can speak God's word into the heavenlies and it imparts change. Bless you. Put your hand. Cheer her on. Come on. I'm just going to climb. Can I get you to stand up for a minute too, Renee? Oh, I, know it's, I know I'm in trouble when I ask pregnant women to stand. but uh, I've, I've said some of this to you before too, but I remember 14, 15 years, I can't remember, 15 years ago, you're the first person I ever got to lead to Christ in this church. You responded one Sunday night and, and put your faith in Jesus. And I just remember being over the moon that night. I had no idea who you were and I had no idea what God was doing in your life. But it's been an incredible joy to be your pastor for the last 15 years and to see what God's done in your life, in your family, through your ministry. You know, there's a, there's a parable about um, different soils in, uh, in the Gospels that Jesus says. And it says there's some seed landed in good soil and it grew and it produced crop a hundred times what was ever planted that's what i'm seeing in your life you've taken hold of the seed of faith and you keep taking hold of seeds of faith and it's producing a crop together you're ministering to people in hospitals all over brisbane together you've got a testimony that's in it's good times and bad and i've just just been i've marveled at your faith in some of the tough times, that, uh, that God has held you and carried you through that and your testimony is going to hold and carry others because he's put, you've got good soil in your heart and there's a good crop, it's a hundred times that's coming, not just in your family, but in many others. Bless you. Come on, just cheer. Cheer him on. Can I, can I just encourage you? If you can let God work in your heart 
And you just let him remind you again and again of his extravagant love for you and for other people. If you can just let God work in your heart and, and just take a hold of his extravagant favor, then you just need a mustard seed of faith. You know, sometimes it's just a little glimmer of a prayer I get for a person while we're in worship. I don't even know what's going to come out of my mouth after the first sentence. But I'm just trusting by faith as I act in faith that God's going to bring something out of what he's put in my heart for that person. You know, we can all do that. I mean, I've been practicing doing that for a long time. It's one of the things I love about ministry. I, I tell you, if you're not sure how to get hold of the extravagant love and favor of God, there's many scriptures you can read, but I just felt prompted this week. Some of you just got to immerse yourself in Ephesians chapter 1. Because those words aren't just true for some people. They're true for all believers. Just let it get a hold of your heart and flow out of your heart to others and encourage one another. Even scientists tell us it's important. William James, American psychologist and philosopher, said, the deepest principle in human nature is the craving to be appreciated. Most of us think wonderful things about people, but we never tell them. Praise becomes valuable only if you impart it, you convey it. William Barclay speaks a little bit uh, masculine in the way that he does this, but it's true for everyone, men and women. He says, one of the highest of human duties is the duty of encouragement. It's easy to laugh at men's ideals, their dreams, their visions. That's true. It's easy to laugh at that. It's easy to pour cold water on their enthusiasm. It's easy to discourage others. That is true. The world is full of such discouragers. But we, and he's talking about the church in this context, he says, we have a duty and a divine calling to encourage one another. Many a time, a pat on the back, word of praise, appreciation or thanks has kept a man or a woman on their feet to stand firm in their faith. We all need encouragement. Whether we're working hard and we're getting tired and we're doing good or whether we're disheartened by our circumstances and what's going on around us. We all need encouragement. I've needed encouragement. When I was 18 years old and working on building sites, I needed my dad to come and encourage me and say, I see something in you. I don't think this is for you. I see something in you that is the way that you work with people and communicate with people. I think God's got something else for you. I didn't see it in myself at 18. I needed him to speak that into me. Years later, I'm 34 and, and I'm considering, you know, uh, applying to be the senior pastor of this church. And there was a whole bunch of people that were a little discouraging, to be honest, thinking, you know, Jason's too young, he's not ready to do it. I, you know, I get all that kind of stuff. I needed some key people around me encouraging me, saying, this is God's call in your life. I can still remember who they are, where we were standing when they said it. It gave me strength and courage to step into what God's got for us. We need to be extravagant encouragers. You can never out-encourage God, and I believe there are God-desired dreams yet to be realized in this room. Do you believe that? There are big, mighty God-designed dreams and visions that are yet to be realized in this room and they need to be encouraged into life. 
Your encouragement will actually put faith into people, will breathe life into people to actually see that purpose and calling become a reality. Be an everyday encourager, be an extravagant encourager, and lastly, I'll get Joel to come up, be an eager encourager. Encourage one another urgently about what Jesus will do eternally. Hebrews chapter 3 says a similar thing. It says, encourage one another daily. Encourage one another today while there are still todays left. They're pointing towards the day of judgment that's coming. When Jesus comes again, there'll be no more days. Hebrews chapter 10 says, encourage one another Spur one another on all the more as you see that day approaching, that day of judgment that's coming. And there's there's a a reality that Jesus has done something that has an internal impact. He, He died on a cross to forgive our sins. He rose from the dead to give us new life. And he is coming again. Jesus is coming again to make all things right. And it's as simple as this. There'll be a whole group of people who have stood firm in their faith till the very end. And it says that there's going to be some bad times before the very end. There'll be some people who stand firm in their faith. They haven't given up meeting together. They've encouraged one another. They've not given up on Jesus and turned to other things. They've stood firm in their faith. And it says all of those people, whatever mistakes they've made, wherever they've come from, are going to be welcomed into the Father's arms and will know eternal rest, peace, love, extravagant grace. But it also says on that day, that day of judgment, if people have turned their back on God and rejected God and said, I don't want Him, I don't want what He's got to offer, it says that they will be thrown into a lake of fire a place of torment, a place of separation from God once and finally forever. The the good news is that day hasn't come yet. You see, God is, is patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to salvation. He wants everyone to receive rest. And so he's patient. That day hasn't yet come. There's still time today to encourage one another, to stand firm and to fulfill the God-designed visions and dreams to reach the goal. And there's still time if you're here to actually accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour and for your sins to be forgiven, to draw near to God without a guilty conscience. I want to give you an opportunity just before we pray for a bunch of people in a minute. If you're here this morning, I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads just for a moment. If you're here this morning and you're just not sure that you know God's salvation, if you were to stand before Him today, you haven't put your faith in Jesus as Lord and Saviour, or maybe you did a long time ago and you walked away, you've been living in sin today, you want to put your faith in Jesus and say, come and wash me clean. I want to get rid of this guilty conscience. I want to draw near to you, God. I just want to be in your presence. If that's you this morning, I'd love to pray a prayer with you. Just while everyone else's eyes is closed, can I just get you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to pray that prayer and ask Jesus into my life today. Just stick your hand up just so I can see it, just for a moment. If that's you this morning, just stick it up. Bless you. That's cool. Who else this morning? Just say, that's my prayer. 
Just give you a couple more seconds if that's you. Bless you. Just pray with me if that's you this morning. Father God, I thank you. Thank you for loving me. I'm sorry for the way that I've sinned against you. And thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Today I choose to put my faith in him as my Lord and Saviour. Please forgive me and wash me clean. I choose to live a new life today with you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we just encourage those guys this morning? We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.